It is now time for our kids to go to their classrooms. I almost forgot. Usually I write it down like, kids to classrooms, and I forgot and I remembered about 30 seconds ago. So if I had not mentioned it, you never would have known. Uh, kids, out of your seats, go downstairs. You got an awesome lesson with awesome teachers. Have fun. I heard there's goldfish down there, possibly some fruit snacks. So go have a blast. We got a lot of kids today. That's awesome. It has been so cool, not only to see the great adventure grow, um, but to see like the the way God is meeting kids and opening their minds and their hearts to really understand honestly, like really deep truths about Scripture, about God, about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, like they can give you straight up definitions for things like mercy and grace and how those two things actually come together in Jesus, which is really, really cool. So they might be talking about that right now. Who knows? All right. Now that I'm done uh, burning time until they get out of here. If anybody doesn't know me, my name is Harlan. I'm one of the pastors here at the Billings Vineyard Church. And this morning we are continuing uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesians by looking at chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. And for our scripture reading this morning, I've actually asked Dylan Opp to read God's word over us. So I will call him up now. Dylan Opp is one of our uh, youth. That's all I have to say about that. I don't want to give too much away. Yeah, everybody clap for Dylan, because he's awesome. Ooh, phone's working now. All right, so like Harlan said, I'm going to be reading from Ephesians chapter 3, 14 through 21. Um, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength and through his spirit. Then Jesus Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down to God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then you will be made complete with all fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able, to, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him with Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. This is the word of our Lord. Thank you, Dylan. Let's pray before we get started. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your word. And thank you for calling each and every one of us by name, inviting us into your presence this morning. Will you move among us? Will you speak to us? Will you give us ears to hear and hearts to receive? Will you search our deepest thoughts, desires, doubts, and fears? And will you shine your light into those places so that we really can experience the height and the depth and the length and the breadth of your love this morning? Will you convict us of where we fall short, and will you lead us to Jesus for complete restoration? We ask this in the name of our risen, reigning, and returning King Jesus. 
Amen. All right, so we're in Ephesians. Has everybody been enjoying this Ephesians series so far? Yes, I have definitely been enjoying it. Ephesians is a letter that absolutely uh, blows my mind and seems to really wash me afresh each each time I read it because it just takes me on the journey of the gospel and it reorients me to a proper perspective on things. Uh, Like so many others in our time and culture, honestly, I have a tendency towards uh, pride and legalism. Not really when it comes to other people and like judging other people or stuff like that, uh, but certainly when it comes to myself. Now, legalism can come in many forms. Most often we think of it as thinking of oneself as good enough to earn God's love. Um, But my pridefulness comes out differently I don't become prideful over myself and think that God loves me because I'm so good. Instead, um, honestly, I have kind of a hard time receiving God's love because I know that I don't deserve it. And because I know I don't deserve it, something in me wants to earn it. Because, you know, it's easy to read the Bible and see how we should be living our lives and then very clearly see that we don't measure up. Like, we've all been there, right? And then we try to measure up under our own effort, thinking that if I can just live that kind of life, then, then I will finally experience that love of God that everybody else seems to experience. But if I'm honest, I kind of feel like an outsider too. Well, that form of legalism is just as prideful as the self-righteous form Because either way, it ends up rejecting God's completely free love. Either of those forms disbelieve the word of God, and so either form is prideful and sinful. Either form uh, reflects Adam's sin in the garden in its own way. Now, by God's grace, I certainly do not struggle uh, with this nearly as bad as I used to, But, you know, to be honest, it's definitely still inside of me in certain places, kind of waiting to sneak out at unexpected times and in unexpected ways. And whichever form of legalism, there's many forms, but all of it, all forms of legalism are slavery. But Paul's letter to the Ephesians breaks those chains and breaks those lies from my mind and my heart. And it brings me face to face with the free and abundant love of God. And what I found after years and years of this is that I had it completely backwards for so long. Because the fact is that I do not change my life in order to earn and experience God's love. Instead, I experience the God of love And then, as a natural byproduct, my heart changes. And as a result of that, my life changes, and I get cleaned up. This is the gospel message of Ephesians. And our passage this morning is really the transition point from hearing the gospel to responding to the gospel with lives of worship. Our passage this morning is all about moving beyond knowing facts about God's love and actually coming to know it in a real, tangible, experiential way. It's not about 
being transformed by truths about God. It's about actually meeting the creator of heaven and earth and being transformed by God himself. It's a big difference, right? So let's just jump in. Paul starts verse 14 by saying, when I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. And the question immediately arises, right, when you think of what, Paul? The answer is when Paul thinks about the incredible mystery of God's plan that has been covered so far in the letter. God's plan to bring salvation to people groups from the entire world by taking their sin upon himself and then adopting them into his family, making them heirs to his kingdom and brothers and sisters of each other, and then pouring out his kingly riches over all of his children. And what makes this whole thing over the top and worth, worthy of falling on his knees is the fact that nobody deserved or earned their spot in God's family. God did not adopt anyone because they were good or desirable or deserving in any way. And at first when we hear this, it kind of pricks our pride a little bit, right? Because we want it to be about us. But if God adopted us because we have some sort of value, it actually, it actually minimizes God's love and it puts us on shaky ground. It puts us in a place of uncertainty. Because if I ever lose that thing that made God love me, then I risk losing his love at that point, right? That's not good news. That's bad news. That takes salvation out of God's hands and it puts it into ours. And so that message would be really bad news for a world full of sinners. But Paul has good news for us this morning. And the good news is found in the free love of God. God gives freely and abundantly because of who he is, not because of who we are. That's important to understand. So think about, think about a father going to an orphanage. Now, there are many kids at the orphanage. Some are cute, some are smart, some are athletic, some are funny. The point is that they are, they're desirable in some way. And if the father chooses one of them, he would be choosing them based on what they have to offer him. Athleticism, humor, whatever it may be. But think of the kind of love that it takes for the father to look at the undesirable child, the one nobody else wanted, and to say, yeah, I want that one more than anything in the world. I want that one. The glory doesn't go to the child at that point. It goes to the Father. You see, God does not love us because we have some meager hint of value like humor or athleticism. Instead, we have immeasurable value. I want that to be clear. We have immeasurable value because God loves us. That's a big difference. Now imagine when that child grows up and he hears the story of his adoption. And the child realizes that apart from the overwhelming love of that father, he would have been lost forever. 
Imagine the love and gratitude that would well up in the child when the full impact of that like really hits him later in life. He would respond with just so much love, so much gratitude for that father. And thinking about that kind of got me thinking that, you know, maybe some of us don't worship God with lives of gratitude because we don't love him with our whole hearts. And maybe we don't love him with our whole hearts because we don't actually realize the utter hopelessness from which he saved us. And so we don't realize the incredible love that was required in order to adopt us. That was certainly my story. With the love of the Father in mind, listen to these verses. Speaking of, the Old, of Old Testament Israel, God said in Deuteronomy 7, For you are a holy people who belong to the Lord your God. Of all the people on earth, the Lord your God has chosen you to be his own special treasure. Treasure. The Lord did not set his heart on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other nations, for you were actually the smallest of all nations. Rather, it was simply that the Lord loves you, and he was keeping the oath he had sworn to your ancestors. Again, speaking of Old Testament Israel, God says in Ezekiel 16, Adam quoted this a few weeks ago, kind of blew my mind when I heard it, so I'm going to read it. You are nothing but a Canaanite. Your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. On the day you were born, no one cared about you. Your umbilical cord was not cut, and you were never washed, rubbed with salt, or wrapped in cloth. No one had the slightest interest in you, and no one pitied you or cared for you. On the day you were born, you were unwanted, dumped in a field, and left to die. But, but, but I came by and saw you there, helplessly kicking about in your own blood, and as you lay there, I said, live. Now listen to the parallel from Ephesians chapter 2. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. Not children of God, children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But, there it is again, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, like the baby in the field, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Grace is unmerited favor. To merit something means to earn it. So if it's unmerited, it means I didn't earn it. And in this case, I could not earn it. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. 
it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We see the proper order in this. We see that we are saved by grace for good works. We do not go out and do good works to try and earn grace, which by definition can't be done anyways. Failing to understand this keeps us in a prison of fear and legalism. But understanding this sets us free from them. But when I say understand, I don't just mean understanding as an abstract intellectual exercise. As important as good doctrine is, I'm not talking here about adhering to a predefined set of beliefs. I'm talking about a, t a type of immersive and experiential knowledge that actually penetrates to the depths of our being. The way that we know the warmth of the sun hitting our skin on a summer morning, for example. The way that we know the love of a spouse or a friend through deep and intimate conversation or the way that we know the comforting embrace of a good father. Intellectual knowledge of God is really important. Anyone who knows me knows I will not downplay that. It is really important, as Paul says in verse 18, that we should understand and grasp with our minds the awe-inspiring love of God. But this by itself is incomplete because the living God is not just a proposition of ideas to align with and consent to. This is why Jesus said to the biblical scholars of his day, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. Do you see how sneaky that can be? This is a major problem in our day and culture, just like it was back then. You see, we can easily fall into the trap of spending our entire lives putting our faith in truths about God while never actually putting our faith in God himself. We can spend our entire lives studying God's word and then ironically using his word to keep him at arm's length. You know, I think of, I think of the scholars in the religious leaders of Jesus' day who knew way more about God than the fishermen and tax collectors. Yet it was the fishermen and tax collectors who were transformed and blessed with eternal life. It happened to them because they were the ones who came face to face with Jesus and were willing to receive his love. They experienced that love that Paul is talking about in verse 19. And that love changed them. You know, experiential Christianity has become kind of a dirty word over the past decade because so many people have misunderstood it and so many people have abused it. But I'm not talking here in all of this, I'm not talking about some hooey-wooey hyper-spirituality that is really just superstition. I'm not talking about manipulating emotions 
to find some sort of catharsis or state of ecstasy. I'm talking about meeting the living God who throughout the entire Bible and throughout all of history has entered into his creation and engaged with his people. I'm talking about meeting him, tasting and seeing that he's good, like good doctrine points us to. Because it's in meeting this living God that we experience him. And it's in experiencing him that we come to know his love in a way that is way too big for our mere minds to even comprehend. And knowing that love gives us strength. It changes us. It gives us value. And it gives us new life. I think of uh, the disciples who, they followed John the Baptist, and they heard from John all about the Messiah. And then one day Jesus walked by, and John the Baptist said, there he is. You know, behold, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And the disciples end up leaving John the Baptist with that head knowledge. And so with that head knowledge, they kind of hesitantly followed behind Jesus until Jesus finally turns around and he's like, why are you following me? What are you seeking? This seems to be a, a very awkward moment for them. And so they ask Jesus where he's staying and Jesus says to them, come and see. So the disciples of John the Baptist went to Jesus' house, and they stayed with him there for the day. Now, we don't know what happened in that house because Scripture doesn't tell us. All we know is that the disciples went in one way, and they came out changed. They went in as followers of John the Baptist, and they came out as followers of Jesus. We know they went in as timid seekers of God, and they came out as bold proclaimers of God. We know that the first thing they did was to go and tell their friends that they found the guy that God had promised. You see, we know that they met Jesus, and we know that they were filled with the love and truth of Jesus Christ that the scriptures pointed to the whole time. And this is really Paul's prayer for the Ephesians and for us. Paul's prayer is that God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, the one who made like these trees outside, that one, the king of kings, from whom comes all good things, that he would make himself known to us and fill us with himself and fill us with his love. This translation we're using today um, falls a little bit short in this area. In other translations, it reads, according to the measure of his riches. And this means in, in equal measure with, right? Rather than giving a little bit from. There are many rich people who are actually really frugal, and they give very frugally. That's not giving in measure with one's wealth, right? But Paul prays for us here that God will give us personal knowledge of himself and of his love that will be in equal measure with the love that he has to give. It may sound like a, a nuance, but it's actually a really big difference. And as God's love permeates us 
to the core, like that warm morning sun, it will change us. Just like the springtime warmth causes, let's say, a seed to sprout and grow roots, God's love will anchor us and make us solid and unify us as the body of Christ. And this is something that only God can do. This is a divine act. He needs to strengthen us with his power so that we can personally know and understand the love of God in that experiential way deep inside of us. It is, honestly, it is too great to fully understand in the mind. Just like how that undesirable adopted child will never fully understand in his mind what made the father choose him, but he will understand something even deeper about the father's love when that father draws him close and just looks into his eyes with compassion. This is what changes us and makes us truly want to worship God with our whole lives. And this is really... This is really important to hear right now because the very next section of Scripture in Ephesians starts with, I therefore urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. You see, after our passage today, we're going to be moving into how how we should be living our lives. And what we will see is that we are called to love our Christian brothers and sisters, our neighbors, and even our enemies with this same free, grace-filled love. But listen, please, if you hear nothing, hear this. We can never obey Christ by loving others in this way until we have first become the recipients of it. We can never obey Christ by loving others in this way until we have become the recipients of it. Until we are changed by experiencing God's love, we will always love others legalistically for what they have to offer us. And when they lose that thing that made us love them, they will also lose our love. There is nothing special or beautiful about that kind of love. That's what the pagans do. And moreover, if anyone tries to follow Christ apart from the power of Christ and being rooted and grounded in his love, that person will be walking in the chains of legalism. That person will fail. And that person will run the risk of standing before Jesus one day, trying to make a case for their salvation because of all the good things they've done. And Jesus will say to that person, I never knew you. It's about relationship, remember. I never knew you. Depart from me, you worker of lawlessness. Because it's not about right living to earn God's love and salvation, always pretending to be somebody that we know is really a lie. It's about coming to him exactly as we are right now, just receiving and knowing God's love and salvation and actually being changed from the inside out as we meet God and come to know him in a way 
that moves us beyond facts about God and into the realm of genuine relationship. That's good news. And as we come to know him in this way, when the creator of heaven and earth truly becomes our God, and Jesus truly becomes our Lord, we will begin to truly worship him with our lives. And as we follow Jesus' path of true worship, all those idols we used to give ourselves to will increasingly lose their appeal. And we will find that we are actually being healed from their abuse. We start losing things like anger and bitterness and shame and guilt and broken relationships and all those other things that weigh us down until one day we suddenly stop and we realize that our yoke has become easy and our burden has become light and our love has become full and free and it causes us like Paul, to fall on our knees before our Father and worship him with our lives. I have one more point to make about the last verse, but I actually want to save it from uh, entering into ministry time. So I'm going to call the band back up. And they're going to lead us in the song, Blessed Assurance. Blessed Assurance that Jesus is Mine. Those are really powerful words for those who have experienced the love of Jesus in that deep way that, that we've been talking about this morning, that deep way that can't fully be described. And if that's, if that's you, sing your heart out to your Savior during this next song. Rejoice, remember and rejoice in the free and full love of God that you know to be true. If anyone hasn't experienced Jesus in that way, please take time during this song to genuinely consider what has been keeping you from seeking to know God in such a close way. And what might be keeping you from coming up to receive prayer for exactly that. I'm going to turn the mic over to Jenna for this next song. And then I'll come back up and we'll move into ministry time. But please use this time well, either in worship or in reflection.